And we're back in-house today. I say in-house, of course, because we are in my house, in my uh, kitchen <laughs> slash dining room. Don't have a studio yet. Will we get there? We don't know. Uh, but we can start now. Cole and Zach have gotten back from my kitchen with their water, and uh, it's good. Life is good. Mm-hmm. How are all of you doing? Good. Sipping and smiling over here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> that H2O? <laughs> yes, you know, that H2O. It's funny you say that. I was at brunch today, and the waiter said, oh, you're happy and hydrated. And I was like, all right, <laughs> sipping and smiling, happy and hydrated. Just a summer day in Tempe. I love it. Alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we have Zach back in. You may have heard his laugh. Um, I guess some news and notes up front is, uh, you know, welcome back, Zach, to the show. Thank you. Excited I'm, to have you. I'm excited to be back. I missed it. I think I I said that last time, but I did, and every time I'm going to say Yeah, you're really fake, here. aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's all a script. It's all a script in my head. Uh, <laughs> Reads off screen. It's okay, they can't see us reading the Teleprompters, it. <laughs> it's invisible. <laughs> yeah, these walls with the TVs, so yeah. Just make my, my kitchen sound way nicer than it is. Exactly. Oh, man. Um, yeah, well, Cole and I are done with school pretty much about like a week left here but we finished our thesis or project that this was all kind of about and we're now free men mm-hmm. ready to exactly. share our takes as we entered the business world and realize maybe we can't share all of our hot takes we may be free men but we're still shackled to the microphone <laughs> hey okay <laughs> talk about a podcast mentality i like it um so just to kind of news and notes of what we're going through today, uh, we are excited to kind of say that we're going to be bringing back Zach and kind of trying to do this third three-person setup as much as can, talk about the news and notes, what's going on, offer our takes, uh, and kind of give you that unique perspective you've come to know and love. If you're a fan of the interviews, don't worry, they're not going away. I think, um, at least for now, to be transparent, we're not sure how easy it'll be to secure interviews once we're in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, as students, it's pretty easy, but uh, you know, once you're working, our people People going to be cool with you talking with a competitor? I don't know. But the goal is to still bring insights to you, all of you young professionals, all of you students that are looking to kind of, you know, learn more about advertising. It's a hard industry to get into, and we're here to democratize the knowledge for you. So we're going to talk about a couple ads we thought were cool. Then we're going to dive into some major acquisitions mm. that all of us have interesting takes on that all of us can't express, mm. potentially, not talking about who. And then also we're going to end with some positives, talking about who did well this last year. And uh, yes, it is a little bit of a popularity contest, but uh, <laughs> one might call it an A-list instead. Um, now, Zach, you talked about Bud Knight and Bud Light and Madness today, which for those of you who are tuning in and don't remember from the other episode, um, Madness is Zach's um, newsletter he sends out talking yes. about different advertising news and notes and kind of gives his fresh take on things. And then yes. we kind of take that into the salad podcast as well and, and keep talking. So first of all, do you want to give your plug again for madness and you want to kind of introduce us to this bud night ad for those who didn't see it yeah sure so yeah we'll start with the plug for madness to get it over with uh if you're not signed up and you'd like to madnesstrends.com uh go ahead and go to the website and sign up every week i send out uh, a short little report that'll come into your inbox that covers what i think are some of the most important headlines that are happening in advertising that week super short it takes about a minute minute and a half to read you can explore more if you want to uh and i try to make it fun and light so enjoy it uh yeah and please go sign up specifically talking about the bud night um 
For those of you who don't know, during the Super Bowl, uh, the Bud Knight got killed uh, when spoiler in an HBO. Alert. Wait, wait, spoiler alert. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, but Bud Light decided last week that they wanted to bring him back. Uh, so he got resurrected Jon Snow style uh, with a Wait, wizard spoilers. Who, was, who was muttering. <laughs> oh, that's spoiler, a spoiler. Also, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry to all your Game of Thrones fans out there. But. Yeah. I don't think we can effectively talk about this ad without giving that away exactly. because it, it ties into the theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got resurrected macaroni style. Magic haircut style. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was impossible, but here he is. Okay. <laughs> and long story short, I'm going to stop right now. Um, he's back alive. I personally thought it was stupid. Uh, I think the ad was produced well. I think the uh, way in which they did it was creative, but I think it was dumb of them to bring him back in the first place. The, The campaign had its run. It was amazing. And what I think they did so well is they found a way to get rid of this character, uh, without disappointing consumers. Yes. Everyone was sad that he left, but they were okay with how it happened because it was so good. And in bringing them back now, he's got a new role to play, which we don't know what it's going to be. And sometime in the future, they're going to have to transition away from him. And I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to find a way to do that effectively because most of the time brands don't. So I thought what they had when they finished with him dying was perfect. It was, it was a great transition into a new venture that, that uh, Bud Light could start with, whether it's in the same world and just without the Bud Knight, if there's a new one, whatever it may be, they had a segue to something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they chose to give up on that in order to bring back Bud Knight to maybe success, maybe not. So that's kind of my take on it. I don't think that was necessarily the smartest, especially when the ads aren't really doing anything to the bottom line for the company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, definitely. Zach and I talked about this over text the other night when we were like, all right, let's get ready to record. What are we talking about? <laughs> and we kind of disagreed to a certain extent, but I agree with a lot of what you just said. But Cole, you're kind mm-hmm. of the tiebreaker here. Yeah. Where are you leaning? Yeah, so so admittedly, I had not seen the ad until just a few short moments ago. And so mm, that's take. left, exactly. So fresh, like a fresh, clean bowl cold of salad. Takes, fresh cold takes here. <laughs> but um, ugh, it's hard because like they better have something for him. If, mm. if they're bringing him back, if they're bringing him back, I mean, we it's, need it's some. It's widened. Huh? It's widened. It is widened. And I want to believe in them. And so, but like, he's got to, sa- he's got to do something now to, to make this worth it, yeah. you know, because admittedly, as Zach said, they just kind of fell back on what they had been doing. Again, they, they already had the Game of Thrones parody that turned into this and then they Game of Thrones parodied again. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't keep doing that. Yeah. And so I think they have to have some good plans for him because I know that those, those ads, though they have been super successful and super defining of the brand, they have kind of started to get a little long in the tooth. And I think yeah. consumers are starting to feel that way with this whole, you know, back and forth with Miller and Bud. And so mm-hmm. now if they can leverage that in a new, interesting way, I mean, maybe Bud Knight is how they trans, like transition out of that possibly mm-hmm. into something else more exciting. So, yeah, and I think, I mean, that's a great point because like, I don't know, but then the flip side of this, just devil's advocate, mm-hmm. as much as we as passive fans like this and think it's funny, is anyone really going to care if like the Bud Knight shows up and then just doesn't show up again? Like, I, I'm curious yeah. how many people watch this sequentially like and follow this story. I mean, because... Like, I think it's funny because I was watching, I told Zach this, I was watching it with my friend and we were like, oh shit, 
like get ready for him to be resurrected later in the fourth quarter. Like mm-hmm. we thought for sure there was gonna be some kind of a tie-in, and then there wasn't. We're like, oh damn, he's just dead. And then to see it, it was like, oh okay, that's kind of cool. They knew that fans would have thought that that was funny in a sense. And maybe obviously, maybe I'm the only fan that would have looked forward to that. But <laughs> at least in this in this kitchen room. But um, <laughs> you know, I just think it's something that's interesting, and I don't know how they'll use him or not. I could almost see them just not using him again at all, um, because I just think back to Dilly Dilly too, which. Dilly Dilly struck gold and was super popular. And, exactly. And their 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 um, response to that was, well, Dilly Dilly isn't what this is about. It's about building the world. It's not about one thing. So we're going to start phasing that out. It doesn't mean you won't see it from time to time, but mm-hmm. we're just not going to use it. And most of these ads now don't even use it. So it's kind of interesting. I don't think people care still. You know what I mean? Like, it, it still is integrated, like, ingrained in people's minds, but it's not this constant thing. One thing I do wonder, though, and you kind of touched on this, is oh, I'm pointing at Cole here, yeah. is that... Um, you know, is this used? Is Bud Knight the savior for the Corn Wars? Because, exactly. you know, um, oh, this is the Bud Knight himself texting us right now. <laughs> yes. He says, yes, I am. Trent, by the way, hope you're doing good, boo. Thank you, Bud Knight. Um, that's a classic throwback, too, to any of you fans from some of the original episodes. Zach would usually have his ringer on a couple times <laughs> per call. Oh, um, but, yeah, maybe he's the savior for the Corn Wars. I mean, Miller is suing fucking Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light. I was like, okay, we can swear on this. It's fine. I don't care about the E-tag. <laughs> this is our show. This is this is no ASU tied anymore, baby. <laughs> True. Um, Anyway, so I think the knight may be the savior for that because I could see him being used in a lot of different corn stuff. Like already, like I would be driving down the work to like a coyotes meeting, you know, at my current internship and just all the way down the freeway, there's like four billboards in a row that literally is just one word on each billboard that says Bud Light does yes. not have corn syrup, it's awesome. which yeah, is more I've than four. This. I've realized now that I can't count, but like. I think they're going to do a lot more leaning in with that because you essentially have Anheuser-Busch, which thinks the whole lawsuit is stupid. You have Miller and Coors to a certain extent that are like looking kind of dumb in my opinion because it's like, really? Like, are you really going to pitch a battle over this? And I think you have now Wyden, which is kind of ready to just keep playing off of this and like making fun of it and leaning in as much as they can as a brand before it becomes legally not you know good. So I don't know. I just think there are some funny things they can yeah. do with that. I definitely think there's funny things they can do. I think it just depends how they do them. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. there is a real purpose for him to be back, maybe I'll end up eating my words. Eating your um, corn. Yeah, eating my corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just where we <laughs> stand right now, my yeah. main uh reasoning for for being a little bit disappointed was just because of how brilliant the yeah, end was and there have been brands in the past that really have fumbled with these endings like Dos Equis, for instance with the most interesting man in the world was one of the they sent them to Mars right? they sent them to Mars mm-hmm. and yeah, they exactly. tried to bring the younger guy and it just failed and it's yeah, like exactly. they had a perfect they bring ending. a young, young Bud mm-hmm. Knight yeah which exactly like they they <laughs> BK, had a perfect ending uh, and they didn't the world didn't have to die but he was yeah, yeah. they killed him in the best way possible I get that. Uh, and just I think doing this dilutes the power of the original ad um, granted that was made by Droga and Wyden, so we get a little bit of agency beef here, I guess, in, yeah. in a sense. Because, I, pre- I appreciate uh, that. Uh, it kind of, you know, blurs that line between who gets credit for what. Yeah. Um, but I think that's my that's what I'm getting hung up on is is from a storytelling standpoint, they mm-hmm. had a they had a great end to a story, and they resurrected him to to what 
yeah. you know, no, w- to where we're going, exactly. depending on what happens. Yeah. And, and that will be the ultimate yeah. tell-all is, yeah. is where we end up. And, and who knows? Oh, oh, oh I was yeah. just going to say, because at this point, all that we know is that they're going to Italian food. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's the only thing we know. That's so true. Far. That's very true. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. And who knows what went into that decision, too? I mean, agency beefs are a very real thing. Uh, I know from experience at some other places I've worked that uh, when you're doing a shoot with another company, it can get a little bit dicey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see maybe. I don't know if Wyden felt like uh, that was uh, something they wanted to put their stamp on more and kind of take away the thunder from the previous spot. I don't know who really knows, but it is kind of interesting to see. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Wyden, uh, they are in our news and notes again here um, because of KFC. Um, <laughs> they have really taken over KFC for the U.S. and have just done so many great things with it. I think it's been awesome how they've really productized uh, the Colonel and brought him back and. You've had a ton of different famous people and non-famous people playing Colonel Sanders, and now you have a non-real person playing Colonel Sanders, which is brilliant. It's funny when I saw this, too. So they essentially created a virtual influencer for the Colonel, um, which, for those of you who don't know, is essentially just a digitally designed human that you just make photos of in you know Adobe. And post it like a real person. And I first learned about this at a conference in San Jose last fall where uh, RPA, which is another agency we've had on here, presented their uh, Gen Z insights to us and talked about all these different things. And, you know, us being a Gen Z, well, wait, how old are you, Zach? I'm 23, so I'm I'm right on the cusp between Gen Z and which Which one do you consider yourself? Uh, it depends on who's making better headlines that day. Okay, okay. Well, in this <laughs> yeah, case, you're a Gen Z. So exactly. in this case, I'm We Gen have Z. a virtual today, kernel. Today, we're, we're Gen um, Zs. Today. Yeah, they, they talked about how Gen Z uh, don't mind if a person's real or not. They just think it's kind of cool and mm-hmm. funny. So uh, Wyden's kind of making fun of this in a little bit, but it's just so good. So they mm-hmm. created this virtual influencer, and they even gave him a media kit that is partnered with a lot of the other brands that Wyden <laughs> works with in-house so like there's an ad where he's sponsored by old spice there's another one that has dr pepper i don't know if wyden's working with dr pepper though but like i'm just gonna read you one of these it's just a picture of like an overtly like attractive like colonel sanders that's just ripped with like Ridiculous. tattoos and a little bit edgy exactly i believe his tattoos say 11 herbs and spices too. yeah herbs. yeah yes, exactly <laughs> blessed by the gods oh, secret man. recipes for success yeah like this is a caption he has he says I may be a restaurant mogul and international inspiration, but I'm still just a kid who loves being in the kitchen. Hashtag humble. It's important never to lose sight of the things that make you who you are. For me, it's being in the kitchen and making amazing fried chicken. That's what got me here. And I never want to lose that young and hungry colonel who spent all his time perfecting fried chicken. I'm still that kid who straps on an apron and makes fried chicken, and I'll never lose that part of me. Never lose the things that make you who you are. This is part of my hashtag secret recipes for success. And then there's a whole bunch of other hashtags, including candid and humble and keys <laughs> and major key and artist at work and positive thoughts. Um, brilliant. Only the best. It's it, amazing. It's, just one of those dumb things that actually has like a really smart insight behind it and like mm-hmm. I just like got served one of these when I was leaving work the other day too and it was like Old Spice in the in the mirror too so not only has Wyden found a way to like advertise one brand but then they've also created like partnerships between some of their other portfolios to get more money coming in too and it's just funny like I don't know like I don't know about you guys but I just thought that was so cool I just wanted to call it out yeah honestly I, I love this in the sense that it almost lets brands extend their messaging yeah. to almost like a different audience in a way. Yeah. Like yeah. You're thinking about you have this 
person, this di- uh, virtual kernel that's connected to the brand, yeah. but then he's able to say things that KFC would never say, yes. talk to people that KFC wouldn't be able to reach out to <laughs> yeah, in yeah. these kinds of ways. And, and even also, Old Spice and Dr. Pepper to a certain extent. Exactly. And connecting with other brands while doing so and helping out the agency too. So, I mean, yeah. this seems like a good thing for other agencies to give a shot to. It, it honestly works on so many levels. Just to add <laughs> another thing that I think is so brilliant about yeah. it, it allows for extended storytelling on social, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. It, they're they're crafting this story that doesn't have to end in one post or in two or three. Like, <laughs> yeah. this can go on and on, and they can continue to, to utilize this virtual influencer in any way they seem fit, you know? And that's sort of what I think is one of the most brilliant pieces of it is that it can... It's got longevity. It's mm-hmm. incredibly fun and creative. It touts multiple brands, uh, and it works for both the agency and the brand uh, itself, which is, it's crazy. Yeah, it's right. honestly just like next level social marketing, and, and I'm, I'm very impressed. The first time I saw it, it blew me away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, again, creating brand worlds. Both of our uh, both of our two kind of ads we've talked about have been creating brand yes. worlds, and both both from Wyden, very adept at it at this point. Um, <laughs> arguably the best. <laughs> arguably the best. Hint hint. <laughs> hint 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 to what's coming later on exactly. in this pod. We have a pretty broad scope, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you we've you've heard a little bit now about some agencies that have been doing some cool work. Um, mm-hmm. Two were mentioned specifically, and they'll show up later on in some recognition, too. Um, But I kind of want to talk about now uh, these two major acquisitions that happened. Um, (laughs) Zach is not a fan. Um, I don't think any of us are really excited about them, um, but I kind of want to dig into this a little bit and talk more. Um, So we had two things happen recently. Droga 5, which uh, a lot of you listening may know, but for those of you who don't, based out of New York, London office, um, founded by the most creatively honored person at Cannes Lions, which is the greatest advertising festival in the world, um, has done just really amazing work. Um, And they've talked about how they never want to sell and they never want to be owned by anyone and have anyone influence them negatively because, you know, I think Droga said in an interview at one point that, you know, that impacted how you're able to work. And, you know, I'll try and pull up the quote a little bit later once uh, I hand this off to other people. But I think it's a little bit disappointing to see. So they were sold to Accenture Interactive, uh, the kind of digital marketing interactive side of Accenture, the consulting company, um, for an undisclosed sum. I always love that phrase. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's interesting to see. What kind of upset me was uh, the New York Times had an article about it and said uh, Accenture is buying Droga 5, an ad agency, making a bet on creativity, Um, which kind of uh, upset me a little bit because isn't the whole point of advertising to make a bet on creativity? So, like, why would an advertising company sell to a company that is stereotypically and historically not very creative and a little bit more corporate and oppressive in the sense of how it deals with employees. Um, so it's a little bit a little bit annoying to see. But I think there are some positives to it as well, but I kind of want to toss this to both of you and hear your thoughts on it. Definitely. If, if you want to start, Zach, I'll, I'll kind of play devil's advocate here. If you want to <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason I don't like it isn't as logical. There's not as much factual evidence behind it as much as it is just the sentiment. It's okay, we're a very emotional um, pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and but I'm. I think it, it, it. There's there's truth in what well. I'm saying though, uh, and 
the main issue I have with it is that Droga 5 was a force in the advertising industry. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. arguably one of the best shops that the world has ever seen. Uh, and they have been since their inception in 2006. Mm-hmm. Every year they've been putting out great stuff. Uh, and every year they're making headlines. They were one of the best and they were doing very well. Uh a lot of other agencies looked up to them. A lot of people trying to get into this industry looked up to them. Me, uh, me so, included. Yes, exactly. And so to me, they were they were one of the few beacons of hope because the agency world is struggling so much. Uh, so in selling, while it may be smart for them financially, it may be smart for them creatively even, who knows, it's such a giant blow to the industry itself. And that's what I have the most, uh, that's what disappoints me the most, I think, as someone who, who really values our industry and who thinks that we still have a fighting chance yeah maybe i could be wrong and that's this is the beginning of the end but i don't want to think that i want to think that we have the ability to to come out of this sort of uh valley that that advertising is in and Mm -hmm. in doing that in in selling to accenture droga 5 is kind of giving into the the other side saying that they they don't necessarily see a future in strictly being an advertising agency and that's what bugged me the most is that it was really it was really a, a huge blow to the advertising and to the agency landscape as a whole. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the headlines have talked about that. Advertising is dead. The, the agency world is ruined, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. this is the first time that we've had a major, major creative force mm-hmm. that is consecutively recognized for being one of the best decide that they were going to get out of being mm-hmm. being an agency and being strictly yeah. in the agency world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, something that was disappointing too. I, uh, you know, from an acquisition side, okay, but the fact that it was to a consulting firm, right? That's what makes it tough. Um, this is what frustrates me too, though. Like I, when I when I heard about it, I wasn't necessarily like, I was just kind of like over it. Like I heard about it and I was like, well, I, I'm not really surprised just because I know, you know, Droga has been looking to sell really since last year, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like. You know, first day at employment at a place in New York last summer that's also an independent. Um, the One of the first thing they said in our, our intern meeting was, you know, this place and a couple others are really the only independent agency networks left in the world. You know, Droga 5 will tell you that they're an independent, but they're 49% owned by WME. So they really have the ability to call their own shots. Uh, and I was like, damn, that's a very good point. So like, that's the thing, it's funny, because in 2017, this is the quote I wanted to pull up. Droga said in an interview, we love our independence, we call our own shots, we're at the mercy of our own genius or stupidity, not some boardroom we have no influence on or a stock price. That's powerful and motivating. It ensures we make decisions based on our ethos and not an annual report. And I feel like that is the most important thing about being an independent shop. At the end of the day, if something goes wrong, you still can circle the wagons and come back and go off of what you think is right. And you can turn down work that you think doesn't fit who you are. Like when you put your name on something, you are representing your ethos and putting yourself into the world and you're attracting other people to it who identify with that and want to fight for that as well. And I think there's more of a familial um, aspect to that that's so important, especially when you're doing creative work. So it's, it's, it's curious to see what will happen with this. I, you know, I, I think it's, it's super interesting. And so I know I, I kind of said before I played a little bit devil's advocate here so obviously yeah, no, Trent and Zach it. are kind of very much against it and I mean I feel like in a way I am against it too in the sense just because Droga 5 being like the beacon that it is mm-hmm. you know it's like I, I mean I feel like at least in our minds you know it's kind of Droga 5 and Whiten you know are like the two top big mm-hmm. independent shops that have really yeah. kind of ruled the roost at least for the past 15-20 years practically yeah. and so like 
you know, seeing them sell off, it's disheartening, especially yeah. for the industry. But what I want to think about it too is like, okay, so regardless of whether or not they had bought Droga, mm-hmm. Accenture was going to be doing more and more work for bigger companies, yeah. bigger companies. And clients. they have already bought some agencies. Exactly. And as you noted as well, Droga 5 wasn't necessarily as independent maybe as we may have thought anyway. So yeah. maybe this really bodes less for Droga 5 and the rest of the industry. And what I would also say too is death of advertising maybe, but at the same time, I think you just see that sort of creativity besides, you know, your standouts, um, you know, again, your widens and your other big independent shops, which are there are very few now yeah um coming from places like i know we're going to talk about a list later but mm-hmm. number three on it uh, giant spoon yep. uh you know small shop just got started up and then we look at david um had all these different spots david miami had all these different spots in the super bowl small small shop though yeah uh, owned again, but, owned, but, but, but still like a smaller but again yeah. coming from these smaller environments so the scale maybe, isn't always necessarily the key exactly and so but then do we think to create a large creative agency like that, do you eventually have to yeah. sell? And yeah. then and then how do you preserve that brand? Because a big thing that you had said, Trent, was picking your clients. And you know, reading in some of the comeback stories that we had this year from certain uh, mm-hmm. yep. agencies like Initiative, uh, even Droga itself, mm-hmm. the way that they were able to come back was by selectively choosing their clients and the work that they chose to, yeah. to do. And thinking if they had been bought at the beginning of last year, uh, you know, following their chief creative officer having to leave and all these other issues, losing a few accounts, would they have been able to do this if they had been bought? And so it's whether or That's not they can point. still preserve that rarefied point. kind of creativity yeah. within this environment. And I think that's kind of what remains to be seen. I yeah, because the thing is, too, like uh, to take the positive aspect oh, of yeah. it, too. Yeah. Like this is another thing I thought about. Doesn't mean advertising is dead if a traditionally very corporate, very data-driven, strategic, business-minded company recognizes the need to have creativity in-house? Because that's my question, too. Like, the question I want to pose to both of you is, is this any different than in the 80s when people like, uh, you know, the head of WPP, Martin Sorrell, um, or former head of WPP, Martin Sorrell, um, you know, started taking over agencies such as Ogilvy, you know, and you had Omnicom form and, you know, Publicis and IPG. Like, is this any different? Is this just another acquisition where there is a company that wasn't even really related to advertising like WPP? I think it's Wire Paper Plastics or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Taking over an ad agency, is it any different? Or is this the mark of something else? I mean, I think if anything, it reaffirms the need for data and creativity to merge. Um, and I think there's different ways to do that, which we'll talk about in a little bit too, but I just want to hear your thoughts on that. I think one thing that's interesting about that when you're comparison, comparing what happened in the 80s with what happened now, and you think about who are we talking about right now, mm-hmm. they're different people, you know, and they're different agencies. Mm-hmm. And it's like maybe that status as the number one really only lasts as long as your creative vision. And maybe that creative vision can only be maintained necessarily by that, you know, the founding principles, you know, that force that kind of drove what was originally started there. And then once that kind of dies down, then they become bought and still are forces of creativity, great names, great talent, but maybe those then 
you know, their roles yeah. change. They aren't necessarily trend setting or well we'll look at crispin porter bogusky right arguably the best agency in the world in like the mid 2000s and then i think alex bogusky left Mm -hmm. is one of the founders went into like do his own projects Mm -hmm. and cpv has not really been that impactful in the world ever since and now that he's back you know they're obviously an agency to watch they've been making a bit of a comeback they have done great work but they haven't had that culture breaking impact um which is an interesting point to bring up Mm -hmm. and i think uh, i think you're right and that's that's one of the things that um is so hard about this is every agency has its highs and lows Mm -hmm. uh and it is very very difficult especially with budget shrinking to maintain that uh and you're not gonna always be on top um i think widen's a bit of an exception and i think the only reason they are is because they were birthed with nike and nike's not leaving so even in their their lowest points me and my boss were actually talking about this when they had suffered when they were suffering from other accounts nike is in their back pocket and it will keep them in business regardless exactly and that's that's their crutch single creative vision exactly and that's their crutch and that's never going away so Mm -hmm. widen has the ability to get rid of more clients or to you know if they're in a little bit of a rut they they always have that in their back pocket and i don't think that relationship is ever going to falter when you look at someone like droga they didn't have that as much they Mm -hmm. they started doing a lot of good work for brands that they picked up right away Mm -hmm. but a lot of those brands didn't stay they don't have that close relationship that that widen and nike have built and are known for and that when you don't have that uh, it does get tough. You do get bigger. It's harder to maintain that that fierce creative vision that you had when you were just David Droga and a few other people. Yeah. Uh, and it's harder to to stay on top. Clearly, Droga started to fall off a few years ago, uh, and and obviously they're looking for a solution. And I think that's the point that I I was really trying to make is I don't necessarily think this is a bad solution from their standpoint. I'm sure it was great and smart. Yeah. I mean, we know and they needed they, the money. Yes, exactly. Oh, well, if allegedly, they, but if they don't lose their independence nature and, and sort of the vibe that they had, I definitely think they'll still be a force of creativity and they'll still be just as great as they always have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My perspective on the flip side of that is just the fact that I want to see the agency business succeed on its own, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I think that's the thing is when you start to sell out to these other companies, it's it's almost admitting that we can't figure out how to make this work on its own. Yeah, And that's the thing that makes me sad because I think there is a little bit more of there's a little bit more freedom in the fact that you get to focus on being a creatively driven business uh, with creativity at the center of what you do and having the ancillary pieces attached to that as the core focus as opposed to the ancillary or the uh, the integral piece being data or the integral piece being yeah. mm-hmm. uh, strategy or whatever it may be and then having the other pieces attached onto that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. just where the that's where we kind of see the the main disconnects between the two i think mm-hmm. um and that's kind of where i just hope that the the independent agency doesn't die and i get that yeah, yeah. And, and both mm-hmm. of you brought up good points too it's not necessarily dying it's just changing shape um every time that one of these big companies gets bought another new small startup starts and because Drogo every, was for every time startup, someone feels like they lost the culture mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. they go to make their own yeah. and exactly. um, we're seeing that with like Callan who hasn't done much work mm-hmm. yet but that was a, a creative director from Widening Kennedy started mm-hmm. Callan yeah. uh, he's the, guy, the, he's the started, guy who came up with uh, you know the old the Spice, old spice. Campaign. yes yeah. exactly the guy that started David Miami actually branched off and made his own agency called Gut yep. uh, which yeah. is completely mm-hmm. independent and mm-hmm. so like we see that these 
there's potential still and there these small shops are going to make amazing work they're going to have that super nimble ultra creative mindset and it's going to blast them into the spotlight mm-hmm. um and so it is cyclical and yeah. and hopefully it doesn't die exactly it's just so concerning because budgets are slimming and yeah businesses aren't seeing as much value without the data yeah. and it, it, there's just so many different pieces that are that are changing and it, it, it scares me to see if the agency world ends up dying and, and ends up being a piece of another industry like yeah consulting which or is funny too i remember one of the exactly. things that annoy me like wp carry they talk about you know marketing and then advertising is just the small piece mm-hmm. and I, like yeah that's true but i would argue that advertising is arguably one of the most influential parts of yes. that piece yes. and it's interesting too i just like there's nothing wrong with working under a holding company if like that's the culture you you look for and that's the scale you want i mean you get a lot more scale you get a lot more resources i think a lot of agencies find it easier to be able to plug the minds of others in their own portfolio and ask them questions on pitches or on work um so you get a lot of glory i think that the downside that i think is important for anyone to evaluate is especially as an agency owner is when you are owned by someone else you may have uh, a, a lot more good times but you kind of lose the right to fight through the bad times mm-hmm. because it's no longer yeah. your decision yeah. when to close down. And I think widens a very interesting point because they became uh, agency of the year through ad age and their A-list last year. And I think a big point that they made was that they restructured, they kind of revamped themselves yeah. for, uh, and their corporate, um, or not their corporate, their, their upper tier, um, uh, leadership for more of a worldwide look and a better look at the agency. And I think it's a lot easier to do that when you have less layers to go through. Yeah. And also you talked about Nike, you know, Dan Wyden was terrified of Nike in the sense that he knew that if they ever left, they were screwed and he needed someone else. And that's what's interesting, too, is like in the late 90s, they tried to get or in the mid 90s, they tried to get Subaru, ultimately failed. But then what's interesting is you had a culture there that I think was cohesive and you had people that learned from that and learned from that experience. And then now Dave Lur, who was one of the accounts people on Subaru and went through that process and saw it fail and saw their Philadelphia office shutter, then is now on their chief leadership team. Mm -hmm. You know, so like you have like if you have a culture that causes people to want to stick around, they go through these experiences. And now maybe Dan White and David Kennedy aren't involved as much. But you have these people who are in at the ground floor that care enough about it and have stuck around to be able to preach that same vision. I think that's an interesting thing, too, is like if leadership starts to no longer be involved, you better have people who are ready to step up. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was a great point to bring up as well that you you both kind of touched on. Um, and, and, you know, from the flip side of it now, um, <laughs> there's this race for data yeah. and this race to integrate things. I think, you know, to set the stage of this a little bit, you have this issue where traditionally, traditional advertising was unintended, but, you know, hey, let's <laughs> uh-huh. repeat some words, um, <laughs> had a lot of broad reach. TV had a lot of broad reach. Out of home reached a lot of people. Print reached a lot of people. Um, but how do you really measure that? other than including like say a phone number to call if you saw this ad and you you want to get the deal through this code and all that but like there's not a lot of ways to track it sophisticatedly. Um, meanwhile, digital and social now, where I can put up an ad on Google or put up an ad on Facebook and see, hey, this many people viewed it, this many unique people viewed it, this was clicked this many times, these people converted. So for a CMO, they have all these metrics, right, that they can talk about. And I think that that has made it so much harder for advertisers, where you have people who grew up in this traditional side, and then you have younger people who have grown up in this digital side. And like I was in a meeting, 
the other day where there was a head of marketing and we were presenting digital and social numbers and he said, don't let these numbers leave the room because when I go to pitch for budgets in a week, people are going to see that hey, this led to X many dollars and this was super successful and they're going to want to put all their money into digital when I know for a fact that I need to have a marketing mix that allows for other traditional mm-hmm. things as well to mm-hmm. dr- bring more people in and almost have digital as like a lower funnel part for conversions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a lot of people that are struggling with this and I think the reason why you see this need for data and advertising is because you have a lot of CMOs under pressure to get yes. marketing budgets exactly. and how do they do that best is if they can prove that it was working. Yes. And so you have agencies that are struggling and this is where some scale comes into hand too is you have people like IPG, which bought out um, Axicom a while back last year, I think, or Axiom. Mm-hmm. And then, so, yeah, yeah, and then um, you know, those CXs and Is, like you'd think, like I have an IX in my name, you think I'd know how to pronounce that stuff, but <laughs> you just really don't. Um, and then Publicis, um, who just bought Epsilon, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I believe, a yeah. Texas-based data company yes. for like $4 billion. $4 billion. Exactly. Largest ac- acquisition in their history. Mm-hmm. Um as a bet on data too. So it feels like there's this arms race of what company can have data, what company have creativity. But I think the takeaway is not the creative side and the data side, but it is the human element side. And I want to throw this to both of you too in a second here, but Zach, mm-hmm. you touched on this, is that relationship matters so much. And I think as an accounts person, it's very important that you build a relationship with a client that goes through the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you can view each other as actual partners and you're integrated working for the same end, then it's so much easier to go back to the drawing board and say, what's not working, how do we fix it? As opposed to if you're just going account to account and you're not really caring about building these relationships long term, you're going to be screwed because when an industry starts to struggle and they withdraw ad dollars, you know, what motivation do they have to keep you around anyway? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's curious to see these two major companies betting on data versus creativity, but I feel like they're missing the human element at the end of the yeah. day. But I want to hear what both of you thought about Publicis mm-hmm. and Epsilon too. All right. Um, okay. I'll hop in. You. That was a lot, Trent. Yeah, that was a lot. That was I good think you though. just spoke for like three minutes straight. I mean, hey, good. I love a good monologue. I mean, that, that was one hell of a round. <laughs> no, it was. That was then. a lot. Yeah, that was really good. I think on all of our parts, <laughs> too. It yeah. Good. But We're keeping this in, by the way. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> Adding the human element to salad. The human you element. You see when we, we have to take a breather because we're like, our brains are only so big. The human We can only talk element. for so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, to add a little bit to the this humid element we've gotten This here. humid element? It yeah, is we're very fo- hot. We're fogging it up with our breath. We turn off the AC in my apartment, so it is a little bit warm. Exactly. The sweat lodge here. Inside the inside the sweat lodge. The salad sweat. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect condiment for your auditory listeners. Okay, okay. Anyway. (laughs) All right. But anyway, I think you make a lot of good points. And I think I always try to see it as like a handshake. Um, Admittedly, I feel like, again, it's like I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit more so just because I'm coming from more of a data focused background. This is very true. Yes. Um, I will be doing more analytics now uh, with my, my future career here. So also, congrats. So, yeah, Cole is Cole is joining Mullen Lowe as, a, as an intern, yes. but yes. let's be real, turn exactly. it into a job. Yes. And, uh, It'll turn into a job. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll make it happen. Hey, in advertising, <laughs> we all have to intern after graduation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. And Trent is also, congratulations to you as well. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> Trent will be at uh, Saatchi. Which I'm very excited about, for the yes. record. Mm-hmm. Saatchi um, in LA as well, yeah. so should be good. But um, anyway, coming from that data side, I think that it does make creativity so much more important in a way. Mm-hmm. In, in the way that 
you know, you define what what defines success yeah. and what creates truly good work. You know, when everyone's using numbers and everyone is using data to really try to eke out those, you know, small wins, those really little gains. You know, it the big creative ideas matter so much more, um, and mm-hmm. it's kind of that overarching use of those things. And like I was kind of saying, a handshake almost between uh, you know digital and traditional in a way that um, you're talking about that brand manager. He knew that he needed to have a market mix in order to have the most effective reach for his team Mm -hmm. Um, and you know honestly it's just like you know when you're thinking about what truly speaks to people and what are people going to remember I think that traditional still has such a strong place in that and that everyone is going to have to recognize that you know you can't just you can't build things solely off the numbers everything must be supported by numbers yes but you know, that should not be your driving force behind the actions that you're taking. And again, even going back to the Droga Accenture thing is like, you hope that these acquisitions allow that creativity to survive. Mm-hmm. And you think about what happened at, you know, Wyden and Kennedy, they had to do some major restructuring and whatnot, you know, whether or not how much of that was data centric, you know, we don't know, but like, you know, to stay independent in a way and to stay competitive, you really do have to have those capabilities one way or another. Right. And so it's about creating that mix, but preserving that creativity through that is most important. And what, th- what is truly going to set great brands apart? Because again, it's like, I, I feel like we are in the middle of a creative revolution right now, just because the mm-hmm. internet um, has, you know, completely democratized the content that we view and that truly, you know, the people that are changing things in ways that are most exciting to others are succeeding, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, maybe that's a good thing in some ways, maybe it's a bad thing in some ways, you know, and that, how that changes our media environment, uh, whether it cheapens or, you know, makes more authentic content, I think is kind of a question there. And so, you know, how much of the work that we do is based off the numbers versus based off the creativity, I, I think that they still both have to be there. Yeah, and I think we talked about this with Grace Tang at Zambezi, mm-hmm. um, who's in the news actually recently for a great, great ad they just put out for um, uh, Beats by yes, Dre. Yes, that, and, that was uh, really good. Yeah, but she talked about, too, and we talked about with her, the fact that, you know, like, even out-of-home ads now are, like, four times more like I don't remember the exact statistic, but they're very... People see a cool out-of-home ad, they post it on their social, mm-hmm. and then so many more people see that. So even a traditional yeah. thing can have a social digital reach. Exactly. Uh, and I think a lot of people tend to forget that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really is the marrying of arts and sciences, which is, you know, cheesy in a sense, but mm-hmm. the people who can figure out how to do that and recognize that it's not never just one thing, I think, is, is important. Cool. Um... I agree with everything you guys are saying, but I'm going to disagree too. No, yeah, no, no yes. <laughs> it's not necessarily disagreeing. I've got um, my fork ready. As more, as much as it is, I think the way that people are going about trying to fix these problems right now sure. is wrong. Yeah, and and this kind of ties back into like the fight for advertising as an industry instead of as an ancillary part of another industry. Yeah, I think the solution for everyone is who can we sell to? What can we buy? How can we quickly fix these things by pulling in these other pieces uh, in order to get to where we need to be? And I think it's kind of premeditated. Yeah. And I think that's what my biggest concern is. Um, I 100% agree that data and creative need to be married. And I, I, I think Epsilon will be great for publicists in that way. But I feel like too many agencies and too many holding companies are trying to find the quick fix of 
buying something or selling mm-hmm. to someone else in order to acquire that piece instead of looking internally and trying to figure out what the best way they can develop that mm-hmm. technology technology themselves is. And that's where right. a lot of yes. my worry has come from. And, yeah. and, and again, in my fight for advertising as an industry mm-hmm. that's separate from these other pieces, that's where I that's where my concern comes from mm-hmm. um, is that I feel like if if all of these different agencies, if all of these different companies just start buying and selling in order to solve these problems, there's not going to be much left that really uh, represents the advertising industry in its uh like singular form Mm -hmm. Uh, and there'll be a lot more of advertising being an element of these other companies and vice versa. Yeah, I agree. I I totally agree with you there. And I think that the thing that is overlooked a lot, and I think that you brought it up in perfect is how you, how you marry those things, how you, Mm -hmm. how you bring these things together. And you know, that the quick fix is not the best way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one thing that I've definitely learned. I think from, again, I, you know, one of my degrees is in data analytics and one of the big things about that that we've really learned and I've seen is like you have to integrate that in a a positive way you know if you don't have the numbers meaning you know something if the numbers aren't meaningful you know and if people are just trusting them more blindly and you don't have leadership that understands how to use them and how to integrate that with creative Mm -hmm. then they will fail and and that's the big thing that you have to realize too and i think zach that's totally right is you have to think you know publis is buying epsilon how are they going to how is that going to become a part of the platform you know they have marcel yeah. they have these other things that they're working on you spend so much money integrating that in too at exactly. what point is it cost prohibitive exactly mm-hmm. one cost prohibitive or two you know is there even buy in from the agencies that you're running yeah. you know let's say you know i mean obviously they have dozens of different agencies that they manage and how are you going to integrate this new purchase within all of these different companies how does that work how does that look you know okay some are going to take off and thrive from it but others will not will not yeah, yeah. and yeah. i think again to to bring it full circle that comes back to to why Wyden is doing so well. And and instead of buying, instead of selling, they decided to restructure themselves internally. And maybe it took some time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a lot more difficult in the short term. Uh, but since doing that, they've won back-to-back Agency of the Year awards for the A-list. And that's, yeah. mm-hmm. there's value in that, you know? Uh, and again, not every agency can do that. Wyden right. was in the place they had the capital, they had the ability to take the time to do that. Not every agency can do that, which is something that you need to consider. But I have so much respect for the fact that they decided instead of trying to find a quick solution that involved buying or selling, they bit the bullet and decided that they were going to restructure themselves to be ready for this future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, there, there's a lot of indie shops out there that are popping up in the sense just because I think you've seen a lot of people watch what's going on and wonder if there's not a way to do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, you know, that's why we saw Johannes Leonardo, you know, buy back, I think, 21%. They went from 49 to 25% stake that WPP yes. has in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to do the math earlier and get some help. Um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, they're not necessarily saying that there's nothing wrong with the scale and that they don't appreciate the integrations that they can get, but they also want a little, have a little bit more say in how they're running things too. Because at the end of the day, it is just hard if you're several steps away from it to be able to view how things are going. Um, you know, there's an agency that we're going to mention too here in a little bit called FCB that is a holding company owned agency, but even they found it easier to restructure a little bit and have instead of 
agencies reporting to regional offices who then re- reported to the main office. They had all the individual agencies that were like their big ones just start reporting directly to the main office anyway. And even just removing one layer helped them improve their communication too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, Zach, you kind of gave us a good lead in to this A-list. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Ad Age will release their A-list and creativity creativity awards. There we go. Uh, every year. This one came a little bit late. I think last year was maybe mm-hmm. in February. <laughs> yeah. So to have it in April, April in classic <laughs> advertising style. Um, get it done with nothing it. motivates me like the deadline. Um, <laughs> as we mentioned, Wyden and Kennedy took top honors again. Number two, Goodby, Silverstein, and Partners. Um, they won BMW in a very exciting fashion. Um, they also did a lot of work uh, with Pepsi, Bubbly, Liberty Mutual, even the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Giant Spoon came in third, which is their first time on the list, I believe. Uh, best known for their HBO activations at South by Southwest. We're talking mm-hmm. Westworld. We're talking yeah. Game of Thrones, Bleed for the Throne, which we talked about on this previously. Um Edelman, which is traditionally a PR firm, now has brand marketing is about 31% of their profits, and they've really turned around to do stuff. Mm-hmm. They did the uh, whole crockpot is innocent thing, if those are your <laughs> yes. fans of This Is Us, yes. you know. <laughs> then uh, really cool. number five, they've got TBWA, which uh, was you know really known for Lee Clow, one of the most prodigious creatives ever, more prodigious than a Droga, I would say. Yeah, um, that's just maybe my take. I don't know if that's a shot or not, but I'll leave it out there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but they've really come back too. They made a bet on strategy and creativity, yeah. which I think was important. Yeah, and crazy work for Apple. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did. Amazing. They did the HomePod ad, yes. all that, and then Work and Co, which is maybe a little bit lesser known one at six. FCB, as I mentioned, at 7, Anomaly at 8, McCann at 9, 360i at 10. Now, I want to break this down and kind of just hear your thoughts on why people placed where they were, what you thought was interesting, what you thought was maybe a little bit odd. Um, There were an agency to watch list and an agency standouts list as well. I know we all thought maybe some of the names should be switched on those, but I want to give it to you guys and hear what your thoughts were. Um... I was actually pretty happy with the the at least the first five of the A list. Okay, um, I top five. Yeah, the top five. Excuse me. I didn't look as much into the the bottom five, and we, I know we saw a few a few names on there that have been on it in the past, and maybe were in a slump, and now are coming back, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, but I think what you saw in the top five this year was a new level of diversity. Um, you've got Wyden and Kennedy, who's an independent shop. Goodby Silverstein, who's more of your traditional shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giant Spoon, who's really making their name and hanging their hat on experiential, and yeah. that's where they're getting a lot of their stuff. Edelman, who was a PR firm that is now coming to to mm-hmm. build more creative, uh, more creative into their their uh, workflow. Yeah, and and so for the first time, I think we're seeing that there are a lot of different avenues uh, to get to the top, and I think this list does a great job of of showcasing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I noticed that like, right off the bat stood out stood out to me is that we yeah. didn't see the traditional ad agency in its entirety that's been around for however long uh, making their way to the top yet again. We saw we saw a lot of different standouts come from a lot of different backgrounds mm-hmm. to to kind of formulate this list. Uh, so right off the bat, I think that's one of the things that to me was was great about the list and I think that's one of the things that I think makes this year's list very strong 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Another bet on creativity shows it can come from all over the place. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's cool because we're seeing. I know we've been talking about the crisis in advertising. Obviously, like, oh, is advertising dead? What's going on? And like, yes and no. I don't personally. I don't think advertising is dying. I think that it's coming back. It's flourishing in all of these new forms. Yeah, I think people are, are learning the forms again. Exactly. Like, what companies, can you do now? Well, companies are having to evolve. Yep. You know, they're finding. They have to find new avenues. You know, whether that is you know combining you know PR with creative really as Edelman has done you know in this social media driven world headline drip you know in a world of Twitter mm-hmm. you know it's like that seems like a place where you know a company like Edelman public relations outward facing image that's where you're going to succeed and so like we yeah. see them on there as well um, obviously we see widen on there again we see you know kind of a lot of those mainstays but um, you know I think it's people doing different stuff that are really getting recognized and again giants spoon hell i mean that's it that's like all experiential traditional yeah you know but like i mean talks about part, some yeah. of the other stuff they do like some media buying for exactly. stitch fix and other bands but really experiential exactly that's what we know them for. yeah i mean that westworld activation it it just shows how far you can take those yes. things and that how relevant yeah all of those things still are uh you know, to advertising. And it's just cool to see those those kind of companies getting recognized. Yeah. And I think they should be. Again, small, smaller, more independent thinking, I guess, leaning rather, mm-hmm. shops for the most part getting recognized. So, yeah. Anyone that you thing. felt should be included that wasn't or maybe doesn't necessarily like you know i think maybe should have been recognized a little bit more i mean we talk about we've got these agencies to watch and it's like what's the difference between a standout and an agency to watch and we have people like you know 72 and sunny uh johannes leonardo cpb which has been making a comeback uh, tom bras you know rga leo burnett um it's you know vml y and r too it's kind of interesting kind of alphabet soup there yeah, exactly. it, it's interesting <laughs> seeing some of the ones that maybe aren't included um but i I mean, anyone you think that should have made that list? I'm surprised David Miami didn't make the list. Yeah, and I know that's I've spoken, a good point. Yeah, I think they're not even mentioned. They're not even mentioned on there. That's wow. I, I know last time I was on the podcast, I I spoke about them and spoke to their that escaped my mind. Their uh, just sheer dominance with with 49 people or something. It's under 50 people that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was actually pretty shocked that I didn't see them on the list because I thought they, they've done a lot of amazing stuff for Burger King right. uh, and and they've done a lot of amazing work with the, the talent that they have. So that was actually pretty shocking to me that they weren't on there and I think they deserved a spot on one of those lists at least if not on the actual A-list itself. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a really great point. And um, it, it was interesting too. I mean, they have a lot of different categories. You know, like there are some good agencies that did good work that are maybe just put into a separate one, like, you know, but it's surprising that that they're not even on this. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. I think another one I want to call out too, just because, you know, okay, personal attachment and also work that's been close to my heart. <laughs> uh, Mother London uh, received International Agency of the Year. Um, I think notably for their FCK ad, um, which, you know, I guess I said fuck earlier in the podcast so I can say it again. Uh, do we, I, side note, I remember like 
I had to describe in like a marketing class last year what like a favorite piece of advertising I've seen was recently. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, there's this KFC ad that, you know, they, they changed the letters around. So it said, fuck. And people are like shocked that I said the F word in a school classroom. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. It's, it's a word. That's it's what said. It, yeah. That's what the ad said. We're, we're, we're literally all going to walk out of here and hear it. You if know? KFC can say it, then I can say yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it is very funny to see. But, you know, they did a lot of great work, too. So it's exciting to see. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting kind of a wrap up to the year of advertising in April. Yeah, coincidentally. Ad- yeah, admittedly, I was kind of surprised to not see seventy two on the list again. They did have such a year. big yeah. new business streak. Exactly. Yeah, I guess. But I think for the most part, I kind of agree with you know kind of the standouts that they put on there. Yeah. No, it is interesting, and, and I think as Zach touched on, it's a good reflection of where the industry's at. You know, you've got a PR mm-hmm. firm, you've got yeah. a holding company, you've got an independent, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a small shop, you've got a large shop. Exactly. Um, it, 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 you've got one that coincidentally gives you ten thousand dollars in a in a personal trip planner after you've been there five years, which is uh, great. Looking yeah. at you working, co working, kind of wild. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just it's very interesting, and I think a lot of restructuring. I think the big takeaway I had is, you know, you had a shop like working. Co, which was almost digital only, but they're focused on building partnerships where I think they had a 91% retention rate of clients staying on Mm -hmm. um, and they would start project, but essentially win people over, build those relationships and have long-term clients. And you had people like FCB and others that kind of restructured um, to kind of more streamline their processes and places like TBWA, which had been struggling, but, you know, realized, hey, we need to make a stronger bet on creativity and integrate that with strategy and data. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it kind of portends to where the industry is going as well. So it's kind of an interesting wrap up. And honestly, I think Media Arts Lab is just a really good example of mm-hmm. these things being married in, mm-hmm. in a big way. And yeah. in like, again, again, I think it's so exciting that there's no one way to succeed. You know, there's yeah. so many companies that are able to do good work. Exactly. So many agencies are doing great work, uh, you know, without a set formula for doing it. And I yeah. think Media Arts Lab, I mean, I mean, you just see those, the HomePod spot um, or, you know, any of that other work that they've done. It's I love just, the one where it's like unlocking the lockers. Yes. Yes. That's cool. Exactly. And it's just like seeing things like that that are so artistic in a way, they're so creative and that's what's succeeding for them. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that's what's getting recognized still. And I think it's like we can still create that great work. It just you don't necessarily know where it's going to come from. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, exactly. And I think to wrap up today's show, um, just want to talk a little bit about what the future of this looks like. So I mentioned earlier up front, Zach's joining us. Welcome, Zach, again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, they're applauding. Don't worry. We can hear him cheering. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, Cole and I, as we kind of hinted out, we're moving to L.A., leaving Tempe. I can no longer say goodnight from Tempe in a pretty short while here. I can. You can. Yes. Zach, you can keep it going. <laughs> oh my go. Bless. I can still say goodnight from Tempe. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, but we're going to be keeping this going. I think the interviews will kind of more come as we can get them. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're from an agency and you want to come on, let's chat. Like, let's do it. For real. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but we're going to kind of continue with this news and notes. I think we want to start building out a more um, thought leadership focus on Let's give our perspectives. Let's share what we see going on and offer take that maybe you haven't heard before. Um, which, if you liked what we said today, please go ahead and you know follow us and uh, subscribe, subscribe on to everything. us. Yes. Yeah, you know Apple, 
Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, um, Podbean. Down literally everything. Downcast, <laughs> Anchor, Upcast, uh, Sideways, yeah. AirPodcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, maybe you're even listening on your smart device uh, or smart speaker, rather. But give yeah. us a follow and follow us on Instagram at salad underscore podcast. We're looking at building out a Twitter page, but Instagram is currently where most of our, our updates are happening. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and get some co working spots to have interviews in LA going to try and use our connections over there to get people on and just kind of keep offering you knowledge so we can democratize uh, the the industry knowledge that's out there as well as the industry insights that are out there I think it's hard to start out and we're here to kind of help you get there so you know like a good salad we're here to just keep adding stuff in and see what we end up with so um, good night from Tempe all of you it's Trent signing off here mm-hmm. and thank you for listening yeah. do you want to take us out boys have <laughs> The chemistry is building. Yes, we're getting there. (laughs) All right, guys, thanks for listening. Have an fantastic week.